Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, it's great to be here today, and I'm so glad that you joined me. I hope that you are getting ready to have a great week. And I'm hoping that this show will maybe encourage that and support that. I know that sometimes it just gets, it gets tough. This is a, I always am telling my clients, you know, this is a, this is a very difficult place to live here on earth. And it is fraught with a lot of anxiety and stress and hardship and, you know, heaviness many times, even in the midst of maybe some really good things that we are having, there can still be some real difficulties and some real hardships And so I entitled this show, I Am With You. Another way to say it, I am with you always, or I am always with you. And I love this verse that says this, and it is in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And this is the NIV version, and it says, I am teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the Message Bible says, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out, train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, making them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this day after day after day right up to the end of the age. And so how are we to to do this calling giftedness that God has on our life and that great commission to go and make disciples? And how are we to let God do that through us? Well, I want you to, to really hear this word from God today. First of all, that he is with you always. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. He says, peace Peace be with you. And in John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. So what this tells us is that he has a great calling on our life, a great commission. And, you know, we have a tendency to, to compare ourselves to the world and to other Christians and we go, well, I'm not that person, and I'm not that person. I can't do that. And, and what God is saying here is he has commissioned all of us to go out into the world. We all have a reason for being here. We all have a calling on our life, and it is uniquely designed for each and every one of us. And it is really about being who you are and really just being who God has created you to be. And out of that comes that calling and the way that he will then commission you to truly spread Jesus throughout the world. And so the way that he does this is through peace. And he says to you, I have given you peace. 
not as the world gives. And a lot of time we get our peace about how well we perform or how well we think others view us or if we're actually doing what we think God has called us to do and sometimes we think, oh, I don't know how to do it. I don't even know if I'm hearing from God. I don't even know if I'm doing the right thing. When God is really just wanting you to be who he called you to be. And in that, that calling walks itself out. So it's imperative that we really hear this idea about peace. And when he tells us that he gives us peace, because you see, worry, upset, fear, anger, and peace cannot coexist. When we are not at peace, we have a really hard time hearing from God. When we are not at peace, we have a hard time connecting with ourselves. When we're disconnected from ourselves and frazzled and upset and, and feeling like that proverbial snow globe that's been shaken up, we have a really hard time having the faith and the confidence to walk out what God has called us to do in any moment of our day, whether it be as you're talking to somebody and they're telling you something and you just say spontaneously, hey, let me pray for you. You know, I know for myself, I, I pray every day with my clients. I'm, I'm an ordained minister as well, and it is still hard for me in the moment with someone, especially friends of mine, to say, let me, well, let's just pray about this. Let me pray for you. So if I'm not at peace with myself, I have a harder time hearing the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to emphasize this point, his peace that transcends everything. When we have peace, his peace, we can really be what he created us to be. We have full access to ourselves, and we can think logically, rationally, as well as creatively, versus using that thinking and creativity purely for survival or for fighting. And so having the feeling of peace allows us to thrive. He accomplished so much. Jesus accomplished so much because he was at peace with himself and his creator. He had God's peace. So he was able to do the calling on his life without wavering. He also had amazing amounts of energy. Because his energy wasn't used, it wasn't being used to fight or to defend. And you have to understand, upset, worry, anxiety, self-hatred, all those unforgiveness, all those upset types of feelings require a lot of energy. They just suck our energy out. They just drain our energy. And so we see how much Jesus was able to accomplish in his life. He was at peace. And so his peace was used to really creatively interact with each person he met in a unique way. When we look at the the New Testament and all the miracles that Jesus did, it's amazing to me that each time he interacted with an individual person, the way he healed that person, touched that person, or the thing he said to that person was always unique to that person. He never repeated a miracle for any of these different people that he interacted with. He didn't say, well, healing blind people, this is the way I do it. He really met that person in a unique manner. And so when we think about the creations, the inventions and discoveries that have occurred when countries are relatively at peace versus what has been created or discovered when countries are fighting and warring with other nations or themselves, because when our creativity goes into defending and surviving and fighting, It's a very different process. So peace is an amazing 
quote-unquote state, a state of being, and consequentially, it becomes a feeling. So when we have God's peace, the peace of Jesus, which is his legacy, we then feel in a state of peace. We, we get that state of peace, and that becomes our feeling as well. So this is a really powerful thought that I want you to consider. That peace is God's parting gift to us. It wasn't love, it wasn't faith, it was peace. And he tells us this in Matthew. He says, I'm telling you these things while I am still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you is peace. That's amazing. His parting gift, the last thing he gave before he left was peace. He says, I don't leave you the way you used to, you're used to being left, feeling abandoned and bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. And in the voice, I like what it says in the voice Bible. It says, my peace is the legacy I leave to you. I don't give gifts like those of this world. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. See, this is the culmination of everything. Not love, not faith, but peace. That's his parting gift. How interesting is that? That that's the thing, the last thing he left with us was peace. Because out of peace, we can so much better love. Our faith is increased. Our ability to hear from God, our ability to have the confidence we need to do things that maybe the world won't understand. When we are in a, in, a, in a state of peace, even in the midst of turmoil around us, we are much better able to minister to others, minister to God, be ministered to by God as well. So we, this is a part of how we are willing to be at peace with everyone else. And we get the personality of Jesus. He says, this is my father's legacy. It's peace. And so we understand worry and peace, they cannot coexist. So why? Well, God designed our brains to only process either worry or peace. It's either a positive or a negative. Our brains cannot process a positive and a negative at the same time. This is very important information. I want you to really tune in to this when I tell you this. Neuroscientists have discovered this really interesting phenomenon about the human brain. It's like an on and off switch. So it can't focus on both a positive and a negative feeling at the same time. This was a huge discovery. And so as a result, they also discovered that the brain will always pick the negative before the positive. This is an unconscious survival mechanism. So our brains are always trying to help us avoid pain. And as a result, we're going to focus on the problem rather than on the solution as a way to change it and protect ourselves against the pain of whatever the problem is. The problem is it, it works in the reverse for us. So we, we all know this infamous verse in Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. So this quite simply means the more I worry about things and people and situations, the more anxious I become. And the more my mind finds to worry about and the less peace I have, the less peace I have, the less able I am to hear from God. And what I do hear and listen to is worry. And we know that the enemy He's the enemy of our soul, and he preys on our fears. Because he knows when we are in a state of fear, 
we're going to go into survival. And we know survival mode. If you've ever known anyone in survival, it is not pretty. So we're really wanting to actualize this state of peace. So as we end the segment, I want you to, I'm, hope, I'm, I'm wanting you to rejoin me. If you can't rejoin me, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And there are all the podcasts of all these shows. So if you can't listen to this show in its entirety today, you certainly can listen to it on the website. You can also find that on the, um, the station on 1360 KPXQ. On the internet, you can go there. They can guide you to the, to the podcast as well. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And join me in the next segment as we talk about Jesus' legacy of peace. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Today, we are talking about the legacy of Jesus, and that is peace. And so the, the title of this show is, I Am With You Always. And this is one of the things that God has given us, is His peace. And in John fourteen twenty seven, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. And down in chapter 28 of Matthew, in verse 20, he says that he is going to be with us always, even to the end of the age. And so we can have peace knowing that every moment of every day, Jesus is living within us, and we can have his peace. And as we have his peace, it becomes our peace. So I want you to think about this thought for a moment. I I tell clients oftentimes, um, I have them in my office and they're in a a state of unrest. They are not at peace. They are upset. They are worried. They are anxious, angry, hurt, distraught, feeling very alone, abandoned, all those terrible negative feelings that none of us want to feel. And, And I talk to them about the hope of God and what I know God can do, and what I've seen God do over the 25 years that I've been in private practice, I've seen God do more miracles. It's amazing what God can do. And many times they look at me and they just say, well, that's, that sounds great, but I, I, just, I just don't have the faith for that. I don't believe that. I, I don't even know how to believe that anymore. And so I say to them, that's okay, because I do. I believe. And I have faith. You can borrow from me. You can borrow feelings from me. Because I believe, and I have a lot, and I feel very strongly about what God is going to do in your life, and I don't have a doubt that he's going to be able to do a great thing. And so when you think about that, how many times you've talked with someone and said, oh, I just wish you could feel how I feel about you. I wish you could just, or, or even in the inverse, when we have real tremendous pain, we say, if someone just knew how this felt, well, the most beautiful thing that we can, we can understand is that if Christ lives in us, He doesn't just say, I'm going to give you peace. He's saying, you can have my feelings, my feelings. You get to feel how I feel because I'm in you. See, none of us get to be inside of each other. So we don't, we know how each other feels because we share the same words. But my hurt or my pain, my anger, my happiness is still unique to me. I, I don't know how yours feels. I just know how mine feels. Well, we get to feel how Jesus feels. 
He says, my peace is the legacy I, live, I, I leave to you. This is John fourteen twenty seven in the voice. He says, I don't give it like the world gives. You are getting my peace. So we get to feel the way that Jesus feels. And Jesus is at peace. So this is a fascinating phenomenon because in the prior segment, we were talking about um, the, the, the newest research by neuroscientists and what they have found, about, found out about the brain. And that th- this issue that the, the, the brain can't focus on both a positive and a negative at the same time. And it will always pick the negative before the positive. And this is a unconscious survival mechanism. Our brain is always going to go where the pain is because it wants to eliminate it. So we have to really position ourselves to say, I can choose how I think. I can't choose how I feel. See, if I could choose how I feel, I'd I'd be happy and at peace all the time. (laughs) But I can choose how I think. And so I can choose to go with the feelings and go to where that pain is and think about that pain and how much more pain I might be in tomorrow if this doesn't get fixed today. Or I can say to God, I don't have your feelings right now. I don't have peace. I don't have love. I don't have joy. I don't have faith. I don't have those feelings. So God, I'm needing to feel what you feel. And Jesus says, I'm giving you my peace. So I want you to to hear this. This is why this is so imperative. God understands how he made humans and and how powerful the way we think is. And so I want you to to hear how a, a, a medical doctor commented on the word worry. He said, it's like sand in the machinery of life. And he he goes on to say, as they are conquering the physical side of disease, they're losing the battle on the mental and spiritual side. He says, we know almost everything about life except how to live it. And, And another doctor admits, he says, when I find a purely physical cause of a disease, I begin to feel like a doctor again. See, if it's a purely physical cause, that doctor goes, wow, I I can actually maybe help this person. The British Medical Association claims that 60 to 80% of physical problems are rooted in our thinking. And according to a heart specialist, he says it's not so much our arteries that are the problem as our attitudes. Because the effect of worry on the body is well known to all who are involved in treating physical problems. Clearly, worry takes its toll on our physical system. There is no organ that is immune to worry. So you need to understand the power of the way that we think. And when Jesus is saying, I'm giving you my peace, are we actually taking it? Are we willing to feel it? Now, this isn't easy. We have to understand that we need to take captive all of our thoughts. And, and this is what we use, what we clinician, clinicians and, and practitioners of the mind, what we call the positivity ratio. And when, when what we want to do in, in the lives of our patients is we want to increase the positivity ratio in their mind. And, and you know, it's different than just positive thinking. See, positive thinking might be thinking things that aren't even possible. But what we want is for people to go to where a real positive thing is, not to just try to create some arbitrary positive idea. So when we think on positive thoughts, we are thinking on words such as love and peace and joy and trust. And if we can't find it within ourselves, anything to be positive about, then we say to ourselves, well, you know what? I do know that God feels positive all the time. He also has negative feelings, you know, occasionally, whenever he's probably dealing with humans and, and a lot of the different mistakes that they make. 
But at the same time, he might be feeling negative about our behaviors. He's very positive about us. He's very excited about humans. He loves humans. And so we really want to understand this idea of increasing the positivity ratio in the way that we think. We always have something to be thankful for. And there's a great um, show that we did, and this was uh, around Thanksgiving. And so it's called Why Be Grateful. And if you're having a hard time even considering this idea of thankfulness and gratitude, I want you to go to the, the website and find that podcast on Why Be Grateful. So as we're ending this segment, what I want you to understand is that we must maintain the highest level of positivity in order to counteract the effects of negativity on our bodies, our spirits and our souls and our relationships. And it takes energy to think positively. It's natural for humans in our fallen state to automatically think negatively. We just do it automatically. We don't even have to teach each other to do it. So we have to practice the discipline of positivity. What I want you to know is the amount of energy you get in return. When we think positively, we get an abundance back. So we're going to end this segment, and I want you to join me again in the next one. And if you cannot listen to this show in its entirety, or if you're just joining in right now, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A. H-I-E-T-T dot com. Also, I have a Facebook page. I love it when you visit it and like my page. It's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. We have some great inspirational, motivational things on the website and just some encouraging things to do throughout your week. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about the legacy of peace. Well, welcome back. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about the legacy of Jesus, and that is peace. And in um, John, and this beautiful, beautiful um, verse that tells us that, that he is leaving us peace and that that is his legacy. And so when we look at this, I love this verse. It's, it's um, John 14, 27. And this is the, the voice that uh, the voice is, a, is a, one of the translations of the Bible, which I really like the voice it gives to the Bible. And it says, my peace is the legacy I leave to you. I don't give the gifts. I don't give gifts like those of the world. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. And so I love that. It's, and when we, what we were talking about is that Jesus is leaving us his peace. And that we need his peace to walk out the calling that he has on our life. When we don't have peace, we have a very difficult time hearing from God. We have, and when we're not connected with ourselves, we have a hard time being ourselves. And the greatest calling that God has given each of us is the calling to be ourself. Because I can impact the world in a way that nobody else can. You can impact the world in a way nobody else can. And a lot of it just has to do with being who you are. And sadly, we think we need to add a whole bunch of stuff to who we are in order to really, really fulfill a calling. And when we look at the life of Jesus, all he did was be who he was. He didn't add anything to it. And in fact, many of the Jewish um, uh, 
The Pharisees and Sadducees were quite upset with him for not adding on to who they thought he was supposed to be. They didn't want a mortal man. They wanted a supernatural king. And so we see how important it is that when we have the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that we are better able to be who God has called us to be and to walk out the calling that he has on us, that we can do God's work through us. So we were talking about this idea of worry and peace cannot coexist. And so we were talking about this whole idea of the neuroscientists and and many of the things that they have found, the newest research that they have found. And one of the things that we know, as we talked about in the last segment, this idea of increasing the positivity ratio in your mind and how this counteracts the effects of negativity on our bodies, our spirits, and our souls. And what I want you to understand is that we have found that by taking a picture of your brain with an MRI scanner, that there are several neural changes in your brain that happen. And that is within one second of thinking a negative thought. So you have to understand that you think a negative thought, and in less than a second, stress hormones wash over your entire brain immediately. This is how powerful this is, because this is a defense response. This is a defense mechanism. This is part of the the amygdala, which is in the the right side of your brain. It's the fight, flight, or freeze center of your brain. So as soon as you start thinking negatively, every positive forward motion that you were attempting to make is going to be thwarted by a negative thought. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not talking about being realistic. I don't want us to be in fantasy land. That doesn't help God or ourselves or others at all. But it's this idea that we have to really guard our hearts and minds against condemnatory negative thinking. Because these stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters, these brain chemicals immediately interrupt normal functioning of the brain, especially those involved with logic, reasoning, and problem-solving. So in other words, negative thinking and worry, it puts us in survival mode. So I want you to just get a picture of Jesus, why we know this is true. He was God in a human form. So he had a a human brain that his mind was interacting with. So when we realize that these stress hormones alter and interrupt normal functioning of the brain, especially involved with logic, reason, problem solving, think of Jesus when he's in the boat and he's sleeping and everybody else is freaking out because there's the raging storm and the disciples are throwing things overboard and they're yelling and screaming, they're wigging out, they're running down, they're shaking Jesus. Wake up, how can you be, how can you be sleeping? Jesus was at peace. So he was able to think logically, rationally, and have regular normal problem solving, and he simply walked out, onto the, out, out to the boat and he looked at the, the wind and the waves and he said, peace, be still. His peace manifested outside of himself. How powerful is that? How powerful it is that we can bring peace to where we are at when it's emanating from within us, when we are really experiencing the peace of Jesus, that he says, my peace, I leave to you. I give to you my peace. So we want to really learn how to do this. And this is part of having to do with the way that we think The more positively we think, the easier it is for us to actualize faith and belief in God. The more positively we think, the better we are able to problem solve and to be creative. So I want you to join me in the last segment as we finish this idea of Jesus, 
the legacy of Jesus is that of peace. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia, and this is Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you again for joining me, and I want to encourage you that if you have not been able to listen to the show, if you're just joining in, you can always find the podcast on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Uh, if you also are looking for a keynote speaker, I do a lot of lecturing um, here in Arizona, but also internationally. So you can always contact me through the website if you're needing anything for any of your groups, organizations, about many topics I can tailor make a, a lecture for you. So we are back here talking about this idea of peace. And Jesus, the legacy of Jesus is his peace. And he, that's the last thing he left before he parted from the world. He said to his disciples, this is my gift, peace. Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. So we were talking in the last hour about positivity and what negative thinking does to our brain and how it puts us in this huge survival um, mindset. And when, when we're doing that, when we're in survival, when the amygdala, that's the, the sympathetic nervous system, has taken over our brain and we get that wash of stress hormones and neurotransmitters, that we actually lose the ability to do appropriate problem solving because we're now just in survival. And if you've ever known anyone in survival, it's, it's not pretty. They're just surviving the moment they're in. And so what we want to be able to do is have peace that transcends all our understanding. And that is the peace of Jesus. And the power of that is that Jesus says, not only am I living in you and willing to live in you, but you then get to feel my peace. The more that I'm willing and wanting to feel the peace of Jesus, the more it becomes my feeling. And I'm now changed into a person of peace. So the more peace I have within me, the more peace that emanates out of me. And you see how Jesus was a great peacemaker. He brought peace where he went. So we want to really understand what happens with this negativity. And, and what we've done with, with MRIs and, and brain scans is that we can really see that constant, ongoing, negative thinking actually changes the structure of your brain. It's that powerful. What we're understanding is this is what God is saying. I made you. I created you. This will compromise you. This will kill you. So I want you to think about worry and anxiety. It's like, you know, when we say don't drink the Kool-Aid. The enemy is holding that cup of worry, holding that cup of Kool-Aid. He's saying, you know what? It'll feel really good once you sip it. Once you drink it, because we do feel good initially when we just get onto that worry track. And it feels good when we're commiserating with other people and we're talking about all the negative things that are happening. But what we're actually doing, we're drinking poison. It's poisoning our brain and our hearts and our minds. Now, please remind yourselves and I will remind you that I am a therapist for a living. So I am all about reality and truth. And there are many ways I can talk about very negative things without being negative. This means that I can address an issue and I can state the problem very accurately, saliently, and clearly so that we are all on the same page, we have great understanding, and so that we are in truth. Because when we are in truth, we are set free. 
So when I am truthfully saying to God, here's the problem I'm having, I can find freedom and peace because God is saying to me, I know that problem that you're struggling with and I know that I have a way and nothing's impossible for me. So right there, I've addressed a problem that could potentially be very negative and I've, I've actualized and brought in the positive with it. So it's imperative that you understand you have a relationship with your brain and you can tell it how to think. You have to understand that our brains don't float to heaven. I tell this to Christians all the time. Okay, your brain is an organ like any other organ in your body. So we go to heaven to reside with the Father. Our mind, our soul, our spirit uses our brain. What happens with us oftentimes if we're lazy is our brain thinks for us. That's like me just letting my computer tell me what's true. My computer many times gets infected. If it gets infected with a virus, it tells me really weird things. Or it doesn't work. Or I can't get the information that I need. That doesn't mean that I'm wrong or compromised. So we make sure that when we're dealing with our brain, that we are telling our brain it works for us, and we are telling our brain how to think. We're telling our brain what it is that we need. So I want you to understand how important words are, because as neuroscientists have further researched the power of words... There's a great book. It's called Words Can Change Your Brain. And it's the most, some of the most current neuroscience. And what they are understanding is what words do to our brain. And that there's a, there's a walnut-sized part of our brain. It's called the thalamus, that organ in the very center of our brain. And it kind of is the command center in some ways. It's not the best word to describe it. But what it does is it will take a word like peace or joy or love or truth. These are very abstract words. And it takes that word, and if it's a positive word, it disseminates that to the entire brain. So when I think of the word peace, the thalamus, its job is to tell all the rest of the parts of my brain, peace. So if I think hatred, scared, fear, rejection, abandonment, it tells the rest of my brain, uh-oh, rejection. So if you've ever walked into situation. You go to church, you go to work, go out on a date, and you start to feel rejection, and you start to think in your brain, oh my gosh, they don't like me. They're not attracted to me. I'm going to mess this up. It's going to be another missed opportunity. Well, the rest of your brain hears that signal and starts to gear up to protect you from it. So you're now gone, have gone completely horizontal to the possible vertical route that God may have you on. So it's very important that you're careful about how you think. And so why was Jesus able to make such good decisions and never be anxious? It's because he was at peace. And so we have Jesus wanting us to have his feelings and to borrow from him because he lives in our heart that we are to tell our brain, I may not feel peace, but Jesus does and Jesus lives in me and therefore I am okay. And that immediately helps the whole entire system to calm down. So I want to give you this great analogy. My husband And I went to the San Diego Zoo, and I love animals. I would own a zoo if I was allowed to. So he got this thing called the Backstage Pass, which I'd never heard of. And it means you get to go sit in this little tiny theater, outside theater, and you get to be like eight feet from all these wild animals. They they bring each wild animal in. And so I got to see a sloth. I got to see a serval, which is the coolest-looking cat. And this is the cat that they breed with domestic cats and make a savanna. So if you ever heard of a savanna cat, it comes from a serval, which is one of the wild big cats. And I got to see a clouded leopard 
and a huge wolf from Alaska, this Alaskan wolf. I mean, his paws were like bigger than my hands. He was a magnificent dog. And the last thing they brought in, which is my favorite cat, is a cheetah. And this cheetah has a collar and a leash, and it calmly walks in, and with this cheetah is a dog. Now, I've watched the Discovery Channel, and I've watched National Geographic and Animal Planet, and and there's this really cool program they do with cheetahs, because cheetahs are, are close to being extinct, is they raise cheetahs with a dog buddy, is what they call them. Because cheetahs are very skittish. They're very anxious um, animals. And so they can charge and maul and do very dangerous things in the drop of a hat in a second. So they raise them with these dogs. And what happens with the cheetah is the cheetah always takes cues from their dog buddy. So this dog is with them for life. And so in here is this dog, this really cute little mutt. Just They usually are like Labrador mixes or what these dogs are. And, and all through the entire presentation where they would have the cheetah do different things and they'd walk the cheetah around and we actually got to take a picture next to a cheetah. And I mean, that's amazing. This is a wild, wild, wild animal. And the reason was the cheetah continued to take cues from the dog. And the dog was fine. The dog was playing, wagging his tail, saying hi to everybody. And the cheetah was totally calm. And I mean, uh, you would never see a cheetah hanging around with people and loud noises and people laughing and talking. And so I thought about this. I thought, wow, Jesus says, I am with you always. The dog is with the cheetah always. And the cheetah takes cues from the dog. So the cheetah can do amazing things, go amazing places, because he always knows he's okay as long as the dog is okay. So I have God in me. I have Jesus in me. And he says, I'm at peace. I'm having a good time. I'm excited about what I'm doing in the world. I'm excited about what I'm doing with people. I'm excited, Cynthia, about what I'm doing with you. So I'm at peace. Cynthia, you can be at peace. And I really practice getting my cues from Jesus, not from myself and my surroundings. When I get cues from myself and my surroundings, I'm probably going to be like a wild animal. (laughs) Probably not easy to handle. And if you've ever been around people that are not at peace, they are not easy to handle. And they're not necessarily fun to be around. So we want to really say to ourselves, wow, I have Jesus that lives in me and I can take my cues from him because he understands how he made mammals. He understands the way their brain works and how quickly they can be at dis-ease. So we want to think about this word of trust. And we're going to, we're going to kind of end the show with this idea of trust Because trust is one of those abstract words, again, that is a lot easier for me to understand until I actually have to do it. So I'm going to say that again. Trust is a word I understand until I actually have to do it. Trust does not feel as heavy to me until I actually have to do it. And so I want to always remind myself, every time I start to trust in me or trust in things, trust in the world, I'm always going to get a little anxious. Because those are not very trustworthy things. Now, overall, I'm probably a more trustworthy person than most, but I'm human. And so what I do know is that God is trustworthy, always trustworthy. So I'm always wanting to put my trust in him. When I trust in God, I have his peace, always. So I want you to think about that my trust always starts with and stops with God, not with me. I need to remember that I can't trust me like I can trust God. God is trustworthy always. 
I am not. So I trust in God as he is making me a trustworthy person. And when I'm trusting God, I have to understand the difference between God-sized problems and Cynthia-sized problems. So my size problems are problems that are solvable, that are not very burdensome, and that are kind of manageable. Doing the laundry, making sure I have gas in the car, um, trying to make my schedule work. That's a kind of big problem. It's a burden for me, but it is manageable. God-sized problems are the things when I look on, on the news, I read about things that are going on in the world. God-sized problems are many times the problems that clients bring to my office. If I were to bear those burdens, I would not have peace because those are God-sized problems. And I want you to be able to make the distinction between your problems, the size problems that you are to work on, and God-sized problems. So God-sized problems are, 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 for him, solvable They are not burdensome for him, and they are manageable for him, no matter how big they appear to me. So God has given us this antidote for how hard life is, and that is peace. And that is precious, and how precious peace is. And I'm going to read one of my favorite prayers. This is from a prayer from um, St. Teresa of Avila. And this is what she says, and I say this to you today. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things pass. God does not change. Patience achieves everything. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. And I love that prayer. I've I've memorized that prayer. I think on that prayer. Because that helps me to really experience again the peace of Jesus that lives within me. And I remind myself that I'm to let nothing disturb me, just like that cheetah with the dog. I'm to let nothing disturb, let nothing frighten me. All things are going to pass. God does not change. Patience achieves everything. See, when I am practicing peace, I have patience. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone is enough. Well, I'm so glad you joined me today. I want you to have a great week. Again, please visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. And I really pray you have a blessed week and peace be with you. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.